0: Hello and welcome to episode 214 of the Thinking Else podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson. With me is Nathan Fox in
1: Los Angeles, yes. Soon to be <laughs> New York City, though. Excited yeah, for Friday? so
0: are you, are you always in Los Angeles nowadays?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I live here. I teach my class in San Francisco, but when I, when I go up there, I basically go teach and come right back. I like stay one night oh, okay. in San Francisco, but you, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Got it, got it.
0: Um, yeah, we're about to be in New York City. That's going to be fun. So when you're hearing this, the class will have been done and over. That's
1: right. What's on the show today? Yeah.
0: Today we got pearls versus turds, Okay, apparently. Um, advice for a new LSAT student. We have Stanford versus Berkeley. I don't know what any of these Some mean.
1: Somewhat conflicting admissions advice from Stanford oh, and Berkeley. Oh, yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, I remember now. And then we have the... Big admissions podcast, emails on personal statements, diversity statements, and letters of rec. Okay. Um, and if we have time, we'll tackle a logical reasoning question from test 71. Uh, oh yeah. So your scores, if you're listening to this show when it airs, which is going to be Monday, October 14th, uh, And you took the September LSAT, you should be getting your scores today. That means that the November LSAT registration will be tomorrow, Tuesday, October 15th. They pushed it later so that people could make the decision to sign up for November after seeing their September scores. Um,
1: Make sure you had plenty of time to make a decision, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then the October LSAT comes at the end of this month. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to say about those dates?
1: No, not really. Just, um, you know, if you got your score and you want to let us know how you did, email help at thinkingelsehat.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Yeah. If you're trying to decide whether you should register for November, I don't know that we're going to really be able to (laughs) have enough time to help you. But um, the answer is probably yes. If you're not sure, you should probably take November.
0: Yeah. Uh, Just a quick note from... Our producer, Annalisa, she says, please keep your emails short. We've been getting walls of text. Again, we mentioned this last time, but just a heads up, we do love hearing from you, but try to write your email and then go back and cut everything that you ultimately didn't need after you thought through what you wanted to ask. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So, I mean, I do this all the time. I'll write emails or questions or something, and then by the end, I'm like, okay, I guess what I'm really asking is this. And then sometimes it's like, uh, now I know my answer. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, or you write the whole thing and you edit it down and you edit it down and you edit it down and you realize that you have like one sentence. And yep. then it's like, send, okay, that was a perfect email because it got my point across or it made my question very clear and just like send and not more than, you know, I was going to ramble on and on, but nope, here you go. Just, yeah. Yeah, that's great. What's this pearls versus turd about?
0: I don't know. Do you want to read it?
1: Sure. Pearls versus Turds is a feature on the show where we uh, get a bit of uh, received LSAT wisdom from the internet. And uh, we decide whether it's a pearl of wisdom or whether it goes on the turd pile. Uh, so far we've found five pearls against 23 turds and 11 ties. So it's not normally pretty out there. Anyway, this mm-hmm. one says, Afternoon, fellas. I was completing an LR section today and noticed I was doing something y'all might not agree with. Since the show loves controversy, I thought I would toss it out there. I attempt 18 to 20 questions per logical reasoning section, of course, focusing on accuracy. When I reach the five-minute warning, I quickly fill the rest of the questions in as answer choice D. That sounding good so far, Ben?
0: Yeah. I don't have a problem with any of this.
1: No, you can do very well. I mean, you can score in the 160s with that approach right there.
0: I would clarify for anyone listening right now that it doesn't have to be D. No. Even though we agree with that. We just don't give a shit. Because it could could be anything.
1: Pick a letter um, and just hit all guesses to the end of the section, then go back and work on number 18 or 19 or whatever it was you were stuck on. Um, So Bennett says... This is where I think I differ from y'all. I then go through the remaining questions and answer the shortest ones, attempting another three or so questions. Since my accuracy is pretty good, I have found this strategy to maximize questions attempted. I score my test and get five or six questions wrong. I understand this shouldn't be a universally accepted tactic, but I think this is a pearl for individuals who can accurately answer 18 questions before the five minute warning. Thanks, Bennett. What do you think? Um, I'm agnostic.
0: I would say that in general, shorter questions tend to be more formulaic. And so I could imagine a lot of people following this strategy and uh, actually finding that even though the questions are shorter, that they're harder for them. And so this could be bad for some people, but it sounds like for Bennett, it doesn't seem to matter. Some people even like the formulaic ones.
1: Yeah. The, by the way, the, when you say the formulaic formulaic ones, Ben, what you're referring to is the ones that are like, there's a kind of a notorious one that's like, whoever is kind loves someone and whoever is loved by someone is happy, mm-hmm. yep, yeah, you know, and
0: <laughs> there's a difference, yep, there.
1: and for some so some people, you just spot the difference right away, predict the answer, it's kind of a nonsensical question, like these terms are pretty broad, right, they're pretty abstract,
0: mm-hmm, yeah
1: you know, what does it really mean to love someone? What does it really mean to be loved by someone? What's, you know, and that whole question turns on the difference between loves and loved. Yeah. And if you spot that, great. But if you don't spot that, you have no chance answering that question anyway. Even though it's really, really short. Like it's, it's, it's crazily short. Yeah. And so, yeah, Bennett, if it works for you, if you you find, I mean, really the proof is just, are you getting these ones right or not? Like if you're doing three sure. questions in five minutes, that's a lot. Let's say you're doing 18 questions in 30 minutes. I guess that's right then to do three questions in five minutes. Yeah. But I mean, the, by the way, these are probably the hardest questions on the test. So you, you know, maybe fewer, <laughs> but as long as your accuracy is high, I guess you're fine. So if it's working for you, Bennett, Great. I wouldn't mind people trying this out, I suppose. You know. Yeah. I'm not that worried about what people do in those last 5 minutes to be honest. Mm. It it's like you should have gotten the bulk of your points in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> Everybody kind of I think objectively should know that, right? Mm-hmm. But then people think that they're going to like pull off some magic trick in the last 5 minutes and it's it's not really very likely. You're you should try to get one or two more in the last 5 minutes.
0: Yeah. And I would point out that my general recommendation would be, let's say you have five questions left, right? And you're going to try to do one of them. Um, You'll probably end up doing two if you actually just focus on doing one. But in any case, let's say you do the first one in that five, and then you do the second one in that five, and then your time runs out. Well, what's more important here are the reason for doing them in order is that you're taking the decision-making process out of this, right? You're just getting to work and doing things. And what we don't want people to do is get there and then try try to game this. Be like, oh, does this one sound easy? Or does this one sound hard? Like, then you're wasting time reading questions, scrapping that, going on to the next one. So the thing about Bennett's decision-making process is that it takes a half a second And so in my mind, it's the same as going straight through, which is someone else is essentially deciding for you what you're going to do. So to me, it's not much different. The only difference would be is if you tend to struggle with formulaic questions, shorter ones tend to be formulaic. So this could be bad and you would want to go to the normal strategy of just going straight through.
1: Yeah. If you're doing this on pencil and paper, you would be able to see all multiple questions at once. You know, and then maybe just glance, at a glance, you could tell which ones were short, at least. But mm-hmm. on the new digital format, you're going to have to be clicking forward and backward, too. Right? I can imagine yeah. somebody well, being like, "Ooh, number 22 is... It's like, I, like some people start counting the words to figure out which one's the shorter mm, one. No. I mean, yeah. that's not good, right? So just, whatever you do, get to work. Like,
0: you got to get to you work. you got to pick and a question gotta, and I, do it. I say it's got to be an obvious, like, yes or no. So you click (laughs) the next question, and if it's obviously long, then maybe you could go on. But if it's not obviously long, just do it. Yeah, if it's ridiculously long, like, you can
1: tell that it's a parallel reasoning question. And if you, for whatever reason, don't think you're good at parallel reasoning questions, then just skip it.
0: By the way, I just had a thought. I guess you do go through and bubble all of them as D. So maybe Bennett is... Glancing at him as he
1: goes through.
0: Yeah, he's saying, oh, looks like 19 is short. Looks like 22 is short. Yeah, yeah. Tie? Tie. Tie, yeah. Yeah, Because of the potential downsides.
1: Mm -hmm. It's not like... The upside is limited, And the Mm -hmm. downside, if you really got yourself caught up in, like, trying to figure out which ones you're going to do, you know, or like you start one halfway and then, oh, no, I'm going to do that other one. That other one seemed like it was going to be easier or whatever. Then it's a complete disaster. So, um, really, you can differentiate yourself from your competition by just getting one more right after the five minute. I I mean, getting literally one right after five minutes has been called is going to beat, like, half of the field people yeah. just lose their mind completely they try to do seven questions in the last five minutes they get zero points as long as you don't do that you're going to be doing better than everyone else yeah so do one more question all right thanks Bennett uh if you have a pearl versus turd that you'd like to submit to the show just email uh, help at we'll see if we can get you on the agenda
0: cool this next one starts out advice for someone just starting out. Okay, what advice do you have for someone who's in their early 30s about to take the LSAT and wants to start law school right away? Well, first start using commas. Oh. <laughs> I'm not, This is a list of things strung together without <laughs> commas in any case. Um hmm, early 30s about to take Ooh, the LSAT. Also, wants to who's start who's
1: yeah what advice do you have for someone who's h-o-s-e in their uh. early 30s about to take the lsat and want uh. want without an s
0: Mm. Esther, i'm nervous your email is very short i give you that much props for content
1: but like three clear errors in one email <laughs> or one sentence
0: yeah these are not esoteric errors either
1: And we get it that you, you know, you just fired off an email to the show and you don't, you know, you're not like, you didn't finally craft it. We understand that. But I don't know. Those aren't lawyerly errors.
0: Especially with one sentence.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: (sighs) What advice do we have?
1: Don't do it don't don't do it don't do it do anything else do not no you do not need to go to law school right away you don't need to go to law school at all there's a million why do you
0: want to go right away that makes me nervous that makes me feel like i had an idea and now i need to jump on it as opposed to something that you've thought about for a while and now you're thinking okay yeah, maybe this is something I want to do after learning more and more about it. This sounds impulsive. Yeah. Maybe it's not. And this is,
1: it um, happens a lot with people in their 30s and 40s. I get a lot of people in their 30s and 40s that seem to be making this decision like a, you know, I'm finally getting my shit together type of a decision. Or like Mm -hmm. weird stuff happened with my family situation. You know, maybe I got a divorce. Maybe my kid's finally out of the house. Maybe who knows what. You know, and I just, I've decided I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to fix everything by immediately going to law school this year. Yeah. And that's like, no, what you're going to do is you're going to really fuck up your life. Like that is not going to be good. It's going to be way too expensive. It's going to be really, really stressful. It's going to be bad for your family. It's just not going to be a good, just, you need to think twice before you do this. hmm Yeah. Um, the older you are, the more you should think twice, I think. But people get this, I think sometimes people get this thing of like, well, I'm in my 30s now, so I have to do this immediately. Yeah. And it's like, no, law school is always going to be there and you might be practicing law until you're 70. So if this is the right fit for you, it's going to also be the right fit for you next year or the year after that.
0: Yeah. No, it's like when you're younger, you can make these mistakes and have time to recover. You can go to law school and then say, no, I don't want to do that. Um, and you're still young and hireable and starting positions in different
1: fields. Yeah, the older you are, the shorter you have to be that this is really the right fit for you. Because you're just, yeah, you're not going to have as much time to get out of that debt or...
0: Get out of the debt or whatever, or the time loss, yeah.
1: Yeah, Um if you do decide, Esther, that this is the right thing for you, by the way, the way you figure that out is you, you know, meet a lot of lawyers and you, you know what they do and you know how much money they make and you know what their schedule is and you like the work that they do and you, you could credibly replicate that career by going to whatever law school you're thinking about going to. If you can say yes to all of those things, then maybe you should go to law school. And if maybe you should go to law school, then you need the best LSAT score you can possibly get.
0: Yeah. Hey, I have a challenge for Esther. So, buy the book. Don't go to law school unless by who's a Roth or that? Do you remember?
1: Um, that is by a law professor named Campos. Okay. So, buy that Campos. book. Don't go to
0: law school unless read it in a week. Uh, and the reason I'm saying that is you you have some desire to do this quickly. Apparently. You want to start law school right away, so that's fine. Doesn't it won't take you longer than a week if you just focus on reading this book every night. And um, if after a week uh, you weren't able to finish it, but you were able to get through a lot of it, and you still are like, "Yes, I am going to law school," then maybe turn your focus to the LSAT. I. If you take that book seriously, though, (laughs) it's telling you basically not to go unless and you somehow fit into those exceptions, then maybe you should go.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. So don't go to law school unless by Campos. um, It costs 10 bucks. Yeah, that should be like almost mandatory that you read that book before you go to law school.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because I think it's going to have a positive effect for people who ultimately decide to go to law school, they're going to be like, yes, yes, I am that (laughs) diamond in the rough. Or they're going to be like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. And they'll realize, and I think people are afraid of like, okay, well then what do I have? You know, if you say don't do something, like don't eat chocolate cake. It's like now all you want to do is eat chocolate cake because you're obsessing about chocolate cake. Uh, so when we say don't go to law school, they make, it may make you want to go even more. But if you really feel uncomfortable about it after reading that book in particular, then just keep in mind that there are s- the whole world is out there. There's, there's got to be something else that's interesting. You just have to look for it.
1: Yeah, it, it, there's lots of different things you could do. Law is just it's so hyper competitive and zero sum. But I, I don't know what. I don't know what you think you're going to do with it. (laughs) It's just like, I don't know. Yeah, read the book. Um, That's a book. Ben, how come the law schools don't ever put that book on their summer reading lists?
0: (laughs) They are a business.
1: I mean, but Ben, they, they would though, you know, and they would have to agree that they will get a more qualified group of one else if they did make everybody read that book
0: yeah that would be interesting actually to make that one of the application questions what is your opinion on the book by (laughs) Campos?
1: that's something that like stanford should do or like you know a real top school should do that because the the lower schools would never do that because they're just desperate for applicants they want your money yeah
0: yeah that's true they're gonna get enough applicants and good ones
1: yeah but they'd get better ones. They'd get ones that, were, that, were, that had made it through that. You know, like, uh, yeah, I read the book. And yes, I do think that I fit into one of these exceptions. Or, hey, you could also disagree with Professor Campos's, you know, thesis. Yeah, yeah. You could just say, no, this is bullshit. There's lots of other things you could do. This guy's not even thinking about this, this, and this other thing. That's fine. Yeah. But, like, make a credible argument, you know. <laughs> Don't just, like, not read it and go, oh, I'm sure that's bullshit.
0: <laughs> yeah no that's a good point actually because how how many people would also just fail right they wouldn't even read it or it'd be they'd pretend that they had read it you could just be like sorry like i it's a short book we asked you to do this you want to come to our school and you failed
1: if you ever start your um if you ever start your uh, law school then, you can have just three questions you can have lsat gpa And what do you think of don't go to law school unless... Yeah. (laughs) Don't even bother with a personal statement. Just just LSAT GPA and what do you think of this book? Mm. Keep it short. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the prompt. Yeah, (laughs) You can get very, very qualified applicants. Like if someone comes through and they're like, yeah, I read that book and I definitely want to go into big law, so that's why I'm going to law school. You'd be like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) you win. You know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, uh, Esther, for the email. Um, read the book. Get back to us. Send us another email. Help at Thinking Else At. And let us know uh, if you read the book and what, uh, what you decided after that. Cool. <laughs> oh, man. This thing. Yeah. We saw on back-to-back days, we saw two different bits of advice one of them coming from a dean i i don't yeah the, a dean of admissions she might be the dean of admissions at stanford law school where's her name on this well her name is fay her. her first name is fay and i don't see her last name on her blog but i'm pretty sure that we could figure out who this person is i mean obviously like she's quite accomplished i'm sure fay deal um Is okay. So this is on a directory on law.stanford.edu.
0: Yep. I see. She's associate dean.
1: She is an associate dean for admissions and financial aid. She's been there for twenty years. She was an assistant registrar. Worked her way up to assistant director of admissions, the director of admissions, and then finally associate dean in nineteen ninety two. Graduate of Occidental College. Okay. So, Faye wrote a blog post. Uh, this was back in September, and it was, I don't know, it was called um, Mise en Place and Smile, as you measure, sift, fold, and mix. And it's a um, it's an essay about cooking, and analogizing to how you should do your law school application. And then we simultaneously got a link to a page on the Berkeley, I think it's the Berkeley undergrad career page.
0: Mm,
1: mm-hmm. That it's funny that it doesn't come from the JD admissions page. It's like the, the actual law school is not giving you this advice, but the undergraduate school. Is giving very practical, useful advice. I thought mm, um, the yeah. advice that sounds a hell of a lot like the advice we continually give people in our personal statement service so much that I asked Matt to put this into the you know getting started with our service. Yeah, it's like step one: read this. Yeah. So anyway, this uh, is
0: very good. Anyway, sorry. Yeah,
1: so mm. we're gonna give. So, so we're gonna. I, I think we can read slash skim both of them. And just kind of talk about the different perspectives. This is interesting that this one is coming from inside Stanford Law School. It's just, I I don't know how closely related this is meant to be actually coming from Stanford or what her intention is, but it's, you know, she's had this blog for a long time, I guess. It's the famous, F-A-Y-E, famous, uh, because that's her name, uh, SLS admissions blog. So, you know, I mean, it's a Stanford Law School admissions blog. I'm yeah, the dean of admissions at Stanford Law School. Yeah, can I read it? Go for it. It says, "My mother was an okay cook, and I can still happily recall some favorite meals, primarily for sentimental reasons, no doubt. Some of her dishes still puzzle me. To this day, I can't quite figure out why she added fresh ginger to her spaghetti sauce. Add it to teriyaki sauce, sure, but spaghetti sauce." When it came to baking, though, she was a natural and a master. Fresh lily koi pie, the moistest banana banana bread, the flakiest biscuits, and the towering chiffon cake. These were the basics in her repertoire, and she didn't need to pour over a recipe too long for any of these. I'm getting tired reading... It's kind of long, um,
0: I know this is what I was thinking already, and you've given an introduction as to what she's going to say, but when I first read this, I was like, and where are we going Where with are you this? going with this?
1: yeah well, I mean hey, and it's a blog it's a blog it's meant to be like you know start of the semester, I think she's meaning it to be kind and homey and all that stuff, um anyway, her handwritten. recipes are precise and easily followed even now, if that is all there is to baking. But she also scribbled notes in the margins. Add a little more of this or a little less of that. I often wonder, as I attempt her recipes these days, just how much is a little more. I can't ask her, so I just shrug my shoulders and guess. The most important things I learned from watching her bake, though, are not about preparation or technique or any other baking acumen. I'm going to have to look that word up because that feels... That's like skill. Oh, but is it used that way? That's a weird way to use acumen. Anyway, I believe now that in those moments, she was actually teaching me things that went beyond the baked goods themselves. We get to that point and I think we go, oh yeah, okay, now we're going to get to the... (laughs) What's your point? But Anyway, it's a nice story about Faye using her mother's recipes to bake okay first prepare get everything ready check on the ingredients how many times have you tried to make something only to find that you are out of sugar sure some of us have the nerve to go ask our neighbors for that proverbial cup of sugar but not me no baking powder you can't substitute baking soda or any other white ingredient cream of tartare for example that i had a hard time even following what she was trying to say there Slice your peaches ahead of time and not right before the recipe calls for you to mix the fruit with the sugar and spices. Soften your butter well before blending it with eggs and flour. I know my mom probably never heard the phrase mise en place, parentheses, everything in its place. But that's what she was teaching me as she baked. And mise en place, I realized later, doesn't and shouldn't only apply to cooking and baking. Adopt it for all things you do.
0: sorry i'm sorry i just like if i saw that in a personal statement i'd be like oh dear god we're like making a general claim about the world but anyways please
1: well is it it's also just such mundane advice it's like so obvious like be prepared Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> have everything in its place <laughs> second and most importantly she always said you have to enjoy what you're doing as you measure sift fold and mix be in a good place because all of what you're feeling ends up in what you're making read or watch like water for chocolate for a similar experience pay attention to the moment pour your heart into what you're creating enjoy what your hands are making revel in what you're doing She's, by the way, switching between one space between sentences and two spaces between sentences. Huh? And
0: a semicolon randomly between two related items, but not the third one. Huh.
1: What happens as you roll out that dough for your pie if you've got steam coming out of your ears because your husband, when asked for his opinion about a dress you bought, said it reminded him of a football uniform? Question mark. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I that I was like, what year is it? Are, that seems like some like that should be uh, <laughs> that. I don't, I don't know. I'll just leave that. I suppose that just seemed weirdly sexist. Like what? Well, I I
0: guess yeah, that kind of stuff. People say that sort of thing in
1: 1950. All right. Or if you're replaying a difficult conversation from work in a seemingly endless loop in your head as you're whipping egg whites question mark frothy and foamy question mark nope my mom would tell you that what came out of the oven would not be something you'd want to share with others <sighs> that sentence needs to ha- like she's just assuming that we're following along with what she's saying but like you're not right you're just you have to read that and go what your mom Wouldn't want to share? What? Oh, because of the bad conversation? So then it weirdly poisons the the thing you're making?
0: Like your heart wasn't in the cooking. It was in something else, and therefore what you cooked would be bad.
1: Yeah, so then it's got the kind of weird, like, it's sort of woo-woo, right? It's got this just kind of, what's the word for it? I don't know. It's kind of like hippie bullshit, sort of. (laughs) I don't sure. know. Other people who are not, you know, rationalists are going to be mad at, at me for saying that. But I'm pretty sure you could make a great cake even if you're pissed off. <laughs> <What> <laughs> you know, let's do the fucking Pepsi challenge on this one, all right? <laughs> I'll make a cake one day when I'm real pissed, and I'll make a cake the next day when I'm in a great mood, and then we'll do the Pepsi challenge to see which one is better. I don't think you're going to be able to tell the difference. Um, Heck, she continues. I've had things even the family dog wouldn't touch. To bake something worthwhile, you need to be prepared and you need to be caught up in the task at hand. You need to be feeling it. That's the second long paragraph. Okay, third paragraph. You know, she's trying to be just chatty. She's trying to hang out with the audience. Her stressed out pre-law stanford applicants yeah yeah so okay. <clears throat> how does my kitchen time with my mother apply to you you might be wondering. finally <laughs> <laughs> sorry Faye. sorry we're having a good time but
0: <laughs> uh, uh yeah i would never publish this
1: sorry yeah it seems ill-advised um, When you see that our application is live and you know you want to get going on pulling everything together, first stop and take a breath. Think about the, quote, recipe you are attempting. How do you want to put that application together? What's your timeline? What, quote, ingredients are needed? Create your own mise en place specifically for your application process. At the same time you're doing this, consider my mom's second lesson as part of your game plan, too. Make sure your heart is in it. You've planned it out, but anyone can come up with a plan and execute the steps in that plan. You have to feel it, too. When I read your file, I want to know that you've given it your all, that what I'm reading is authentic, and that can only happen if you've put your heart into it. If you've set aside next Saturday to work on your personal statement, and you wake up on the wrong side of the bed that morning, stop right there. Go find something else to do. Rework your timeline instead. If you start early on this application, she says in early September you've got days weeks and even months to make this work don't worry be in a good place each time you work on pulling your story together because you know that story side of your application is so very important
0: I'm not sure so a couple things here one I do think that her advice to set aside time for this and start working on it early is good advice I don't think it's good to push this off because you're worried about doing it perfectly. So you procrastinate and then at some point you eventually have to do it. And so then you give yourself only a weekend to do it. That is not good, but I'm actually not sure that this advice that you need to be in the right mood is scientifically valid. I don't actually think think I've read. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. That just intuitively (laughs) sounds like bullshit to me. That sounds like a nice thing that would be in a movie or a book, or whatever, I think it's bullshit.
0: Well, right now I'm thinking of the work by Angela Duckworth, I think. Um, she wrote the book Grit, and I can't remember if, if she talked about it in that book, but I, I know I've read this in more than one place before, but if you try to accomplish a goal solely when you're feeling it, chances are you're never going to accomplish it, because there are so many days when you wake up and you're not feeling it. But who succeeds? The one who still goes to rowing practice or whatever yeah and i i don't get out there
1: i don't think lawyers like really get days off because they're not feeling it yeah i'm sorry your honor i am gonna have to request a continuance because i just think that the legal arguments that i'm gonna make today are not gonna be just wouldn't be fit for the family dog so (laughs) i'm just gonna have to not practice law today i don't that just seems so i don't know
0: it's, it, it seems it doesn 't seem to be consistent with other studies that study success, but here 's another thing. she does say that she wants to make sure your heart is in it, and by that I think uh, what did she say? Maybe not that She talked about authentic. Where did she talk about that? She
1: wants it to feel authentic when she reads it
0: okay so i I agree with authenticity. Um, some people when they write their personal statement. They write what they think the other person wants to hear um, as opposed to saying what they actually think. Um, Now, of course, some things that people actually think are stupid and they shouldn't be written and people write them in our personal statement service all the time. We say, don't say that, even if you believe that. But um, the other extreme of this is like pandering or something to the reader. Right as opposed to deciding what you did and saying it. And so I agree with that advice. So I agree that you shouldn't rush it. I agree that you should be truthful in what you're saying, but that doesn't mean TMI. (laughs) Um, But some of this other stuff, yeah, is concerning.
1: Well, authenticity, the thing about authenticity is that, of course, she wants you to just write it like stream of consciousness, like just show us everything. So that we can just deny you (laughs) like, sure. There's a big, Oh,
0: that's what you're actually thinking. Yeah.
1: (laughs) She has a big incentive to, to, yeah. She wants people to write, Oh, do you sometimes have racist leanings? You should put that in your personal (laughs) statements, (laughs) you know, like, because of course she would love to go, wow, this is really this person stamp denied. Goodbye. You know, like what, what incentive does she have for you to, to be more careful? Mm-hmm. Like none really she's got a she's got a gigantic stack of applications and she can only pick ten percent of them so you know like the take think about it from that perspective like this is someone who literally denies nine tenths of the applications she reads yeah uh, you know what I, I do think um she doesn't say it in here, but like be positive is a pretty good message I think. I can't can't believe how often I'm just telling people to be more positive in their personal statement. Sure. Like, why are you complaining about this old job? Why are you complaining about this other thing that you didn't want to do? Why are you complaining about all these obstacles and these people who were against you and the people who were trying to stop you from doing things? You know, it's like that's people fill up their personal statement with shit like that.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that's true. Like, we've read some recently where someone was saying, like, oh, I can't believe my colleagues did this or these people did this and these blanket statements. And someone could arguably say that's authentic. That's how this applicant actually felt. But, oh, boy, did that sound bad. And also, by the way, when we're pointing out that this sounds bad, we're telling you you should change the way you think about this. Like, (laughs) Yeah. Be authentic to your therapist, so you can then say, "That's not how I actually want to think about these things. That's not how I want to think about this world, the world. That's not how I want to think about my colleagues." And realize what the reality is. Like your reality is being distorted by your desire to feel good about yourself, and so you put down others or something. Like I don't know.
1: We'd rather just hear about the successes. Like the the all the obstacles that you overcame, you might be able to briefly mention them, but you should really stay positive and grateful, even for those obstacles. There's no point bitching about all the people who were trying to stop you from doing what you eventually did. If you did that thing, that's all the reader really cares about. Yeah. Um, All right. I'll just finish this. It says, as is my usual tradition with the first blog to kick off the season, I like to recommend a song that gets you thinking about California. California Dreamin' is an option, but it's hard to think of a winter's day at this time of the year, so I should save it for a January blog. It's hot, as you know, Ben, in uh, Palo Alto in September. Hotel California (laughs) continues to make the short list, but it's a bit on the dark side, and I don't feel like going there right now. (laughs) That song also is so overplayed and just sucks. All right. In fact, I'm just not feeling the California song thing. So I am going to change it up and instead point you to a song a 1L mentioned in his optional essay this year. Spend a few minutes with Alabama Shakes and their song, Hang Loose. I dare you not to smile as you listen. That's it. That's the blog.
0: So if someone read this, and they ran off to their personal statement.
1: First they checked to see if they were feeling it. Yeah. Yes, I am feeling it. Okay.
0: Now what do I do? Just start saying what you think. <laughs> I guess is what they would do.
1: It's not a bad way to to get started, right? Like you can it's write a, bad way a way bunch get of started, garbage, get a lot of
0: stuff out there. Yeah, and then that's kind of what happened here.
1: <laughs> Except she didn't do the editing step.
0: No, she just like okay, well I'm feeling it, so now I'm going to start. Oh yeah, let's talk about my mom. Okay, cool, and. She got a lot of stuff out here, um, but this whole thing could be cut down to like one paragraph, actually like two or three short paragraphs, and maybe elaborate more on authenticity and what do you mean by that? Elaborate more on getting things down on the page and starting early and how feeling it could get you going, maybe.
1: She's trying to be homey. She's trying to be relatable. I, if this was your application essay, if this was your personal statement to Stanford, you would get denied 1,000 times out of 1,000.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, the the double space and then the single space. The uh, attempt to use a lot of kind of words, I think. Uh-huh. Like big words. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm torn, right? This is from Stanford, but I... I I look at blog posts, even though they're like friendly and conversational, I still see them as above email, right? So we demand a certain level of writing for the people who write into the show. And I see a blog post as more public and a wider audience than email, so it's gotta be a notch up from that. And your personal statement has to be a notch up from that. So I I don't know. Uh
1: yeah. I mean, when you work at actually Stanford Law School, when your like office is at Stanford Law School, and you're writing a public blog that says SLS on it, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just
0: oh, this. I would have multiple re- people read it and edit it.
1: Yeah, at she's, she's at been there man. so long; and she doesn't have to. Yeah, she's just she's like, like what I... you guys don't know. What and you're talking she's about.
0: making all these decisions, right? Like. People have to cater to her. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that doesn't inside. mean you should take her, her advice, though, right? Because what she's telling you to do is not necessarily what she's wanting. <laughs> it's this weird kind of thing. Because if you wrote, like you said, if you wrote this, if you mimicked this style, I don't think that would come across well.
1: Yeah. Even I just, to her. The whole mise en place thing is not telling anybody anything they don't know. Everybody graduated from college. Like We understand that it takes some organization to get your shit together, to do your application. right? So, okay, plan ahead. Great. Thanks for that tip. And then the other tip is like be feeling good when you're writing. I don't know that that's even worth anything. It just doesn't seem like great, fantastic, useful advice. Um, yeah. We did, like the day after, we got another... We got a link to, and this might have been just Annalisa dug this up, but it it was, um, this is from career.berkeley.edu. It's the Berkeley, I, I guess, career center for all of Berkeley. Mm-hmm. But they have a whole page of law school personal statement. And we should go through these because these are like actually useful. Mm-hmm. You want to yeah. read some of them? Sure.
0: So... The first question is what are some law school do's and don'ts do's write a concise narrative with one or two points, go for quality over quantity hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. That's what we say all the time. People try to cover too many topics and then you just get lost in stories.
1: Yeah. Don't rehash your whole career from start to finish. Don't rehash your whole resume. Have one or two things that you're trying to get across and just do it really well. Yeah. Okay, beautiful.
0: Next point. Tell a story where you are the main character and you changed, grew, or shifted your perspective. Um, I like the first part of this. Tell a story where you are the main character. Um,
1: I'd I would add achieved, I think, to that list.
0: Yeah, yeah. Changed, grew... Or achieved. Now it sucks about your perspective. I don't care about your perspective as much as more. more I care about your, just like you grew, period. Like you achieved something and therefore your skills improved or whatever. I, I'm concerned about this focus on perspective. Yeah. People are going to be drawn to saying, like, oh, and then I learned this. And it's like, ah.
1: Easy to say oh, that. Yeah. What yeah. did you do about it?
0: What did you do? Doing shows what you thought and what you learned all right keep moving write about any activity that shows off your best qualities yeah yeah write about an activity that's what you're doing review your classroom student organization work and personal life for material yep you can look in any of those places okay show don't tell conclusions should be self-evident well-written statements use stories that illustrate your good qualities. You should not have to
1: explicitly state them.
0: 100%.
1: Yeah, we've said that a thousand times.
0: The next one. If you are going to mention a law school concentration that interests you, you need to back up your interest by including details about experiences that led you to your interest. Notice the keyword there, in- details and experiences. Things you did, not... I've always wanted to be an environmental lawyer yeah oh really why i would actually i like the environment
1: yeah (laughs) i would amend that point too because i don't really care about experiences that led you to your interest i would much rather hear about experiences where you did something about that interest that you had
0: yes show me an
1: increasing trend of involvement in this area then i'll believe you you know (laughs) If you just tell me that, you know, you saw the polar bears dying as the ice shelf broke off Antarctica or whatever, then I'm like, eh, yeah, I know, but what'd you do about it?
0: Yeah. Okay. Things that you did. Okay. Focus on activities that have happened since you have been in college. You are not only applying with graduating seniors, but with alumni. Okay. The point here is don't write about things when you were young. Yeah, 100%.
1: We, had, we have a, a student right now in our personal statement service who wrote his first draft, and he was, like, done. It was one of these where, like, the guy thought he was done, and he yeah. wrote it about his thesis, his undergraduate thesis. Mm-hmm. And I told him basically, hey, can you start over and write about, like, he had been working in a law firm for, like, a couple of years already. And I said, dude, can you just try one where you write about your work experience instead? And he's like, but isn't that real boring because everybody's a paralegal? And I'm like, you know what there's more of than paralegals? Undergrads. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. lots more undergrads than there are paralegals. He wrote a new draft about being a paralegal that it sounds, it's like night and day better. It's not even the same candidate better. One of them looks like a child and one of them looks like an adult. And Mm -hmm. the one that he, where he was writing about his thesis, it was just, it comes off as like so naive where you're like, yeah, I wrote this great thesis and I learned so much and I did this great work of scholarship. It's like, no, you didn't. You were an undergrad. Like, Mm -hmm. let me, (laughs) and and then flip side, this other person is writing about stuff that he, he did at his law firm. Yeah. And it's just. It's the same person, but boy, they are two completely different candidates. It's just not the same at all. So that's a really good point there. If you're even a year or two out, you should write about your adult experiences, not your undergrad ones.
0: Well, the question always comes up, too. If you can't write about something that's happened in those last two years, our question is, what have you been doing? Right? That's, it sends the message that nothing has happened since then.
1: Yeah, and maybe you need to do something. Like maybe you need to get a serious job for a year or two. Yeah. You know, you don't want to make it look like you're just going to law school because you don't want to get a real job. I mean, that's just a bad reason to go to law school anyway. You're not going to, it's just you're kicking the can down the road, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe you should get a, a serious job. It doesn't even have to be in law, it can just be like an actual office job. Just do something for a living for a yeah. year or two. And you'll have, experiences that you can write about that'll make you not look like a child.
0: Yeah. Okay. Next one. Keep the focus on you, not an ill relative, remarkable client or inner workings of an organization where you worked. Oh my gosh. Every
1: point here is good. Yes. This is an excellent, <laughs> this, I, I think we should make people read this before they sign up for our personal statement service. Yeah. But before we take you your money, read this. Okay.
0: Write several drafts and ask to get feedback on early drafts. Actually, just on all of them. Yeah. (laughs) We go until the last dot is inked in. Okay, now some don'ts. Don'ts. Don't use a quotation. If you want to express something that has been captured by a quote, say it in your own words.
1: Love that yeah I mean, be very
0: <laughs> careful there too. Just what, what are you trying to say? Yeah. Go
1: ahead and just don't put quotations from anyone. I mean, people like to in the narr- they like to think they're doing a narrative style where they quote other people in their life. Mm-hmm. And it always sounds fake. It just never sounds. It's like, hold on a second. You're writing about something that happened a year ago and you're using direct quotation marks around this quote that someone made especially mm-hmm. when it's like a couple sentences long. It's like uh, no fucking way. <laughs> yep. If you want to quote that someone used a word or someone used a phrase, then maybe mm-hmm. I would allow it. But if it's a complete sentence or especially if it's more than a complete sentence, just don't. You can paraphrase. You do not need to do that. It looks fake. It makes it look like a lie.
0: Dude, you you want to talk about quotes? So, sorry, this like just came into my mind. Because I was trying to think about quotes that I remember people saying to me. Because sometimes people do say things to people and they kind of stick with them. And um, I don't think I can think of anything except one. And it really kind of like hit me. I was at a basketball game in high school. And my physics teacher walked up to me and said... Like something about like the upcoming test and I was like, uh, I don't know, whatever. And he then he turns to me, he said, If I use the talent you waste, I could do anything. And I was like, <laughs> holy sh like what? <laughs> no, like carry on with the game.
1: <laughs> but anyways. So oh, wow. that's, that's how I'm you came to be the man you are today. Amazing.
0: Apparently, yeah. I would I should write a personal statement about it. No, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> nope. Anyways, the next one, do not manufacture drama. Readers can tell when you are exaggerating or not being genuine. Uh, Okay, you don't write about your philosophy on the law or anything else for that matter. For now, law school admissions officials are the law experts. You are the expert on you, 100%. Dude, I don't know where this person was born, but I agree with everything they're saying. This,
1: This person, yeah, it's like they're giving exactly the advice that we always give. Yeah, I, I, And I can't, this is also, these are things that people do so frequently. Yeah. They're rhapsodizing about the law and the power of the law to change the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, they know, the people who are reading it know so much more about that than you do.
0: Even if they're, they're not, they may <sighs> not be lawyer experts, but they went to law school. They have three years of all this legal garbage that you don't get from one con law class you took as an undergrad. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you don't have to write about your interest in the law. In fact, your statement will probably be more memorable if you don't.
1: Okay, hundred percent because it's conclusion anyway. Like you can just show what you've done, and the law schools who are in the business of selling law school. They will look yeah. at you as an opportunity. They will they they want it to be a good fit. So you don't need to sell them on the idea that it's a good fit. You need to sell them on you. Mm-hmm. Make yourself look like a badass at whatever, and they're going to yeah. go, oh, yeah, this person would be a badass lawyer as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I want to keep going if, if you feel yeah, like Yeah, let's that's, do all these. These are time. great. Yeah. yeah. So the next one is, how important is the personal statement? This says... This statement is a critical sample of your ability to write as well as an opportunity to tell the admissions committee about yourself. Um, I would just stop there. Your ability to write is central to your ability to practice law. So it's good that (laughs) they're assessing that ability. Since most law school, since most schools do not conduct interviews, the statement represents an opportunity for you to present yourself as more than just a GPA and an LSAT score. With so many applicants possessing identical qualifications, the statement can be the critical factor that distinguishes you from the applicant pool. What you say in your statement can also help you offset weaknesses in your application, so take writing the statement very seriously. You know, one thing I've thought about the personal statement, I think we've said this in a variety of different ways uh, in the show, but your LSAT and GPA are like the, what, par for the course, right? They're the requirements for admission. But then once you get into that range of acceptable scores, uh, then your personal statement is kind of the emotional aspect. Now, I'm not saying that your statement should be emotional, but it's the part of the application that can touch, I think, the emotions of the person reading it and make you someone that they want to fight for. Whereas your LSAT and GPA are just sort of like static and they're necessary, but they, they lack emotion.
1: Yep. Yep. I mean, you're going to be on the bubble at some school, Yep. right? Your LSAT and GPA are going to put you right on the bubble of getting admitted or not getting admitted or they're going to put you right on the bu- on the bubble of getting a scholarship or not. Yeah, and when they decide what candidate Ben, you said, which who they want to fight for, yeah, of course, yeah. the personal statement gives them a chance to to see who you are, you know, a, a shade a shade deeper. Like, what is this person really about? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's I, the third most important component, right? You need mm-hmm. to take it very seriously.
0: Yeah. Do you want to take this next one?
1: Sure. Uh, it says, how do I get started? Read the statement instructions carefully. Most schools are interested in learning what unique qualities and experiences you will contribute to their incoming class. Um, to get started, gather information about yourself, including work, school, and community experiences, such as positions you've held, volunteer opportunities, and projects you participated in. And blah, blah, blah. This is basically your resume. Mm-hmm. Oh, personal challenges and experiences, including travel, disabilities, goals you have accomplished, unique talents or interests. Yeah, okay. I like all that stuff. Okay. For each activity, make a list of your duties, accomplishments, and other specifics, such as length of commitment, named, name and contact information of related people, and so forth. Anything that will remind you of your experiences. Hmm. That's actually, that's kind of interesting never Mm. thought about doing that. But I mean, because I was like, wait, name and contact information of your coach or whatever. Mm. Why do you need that? Well, if as you dig that stuff up, you remember things.
0: Yeah. It could be useful. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. Also, review your school transcripts and resume because you may want to address particular group projects you have participated in and courses you have completed in your personal statement. Mm. Really? Maybe I mean, I would rather if it if was like one project or something that was like a real big deal, then yeah,
0: yeah, I'm really worried about courses, though people love to talk about how they learn so much in a course. It's like, yeah, you're a passive participant,
1: or they name drop their professor, oh, and then the name of the courses and stuff they do that, like they think that's moving the needle somewhere, it's like hold on that's on the that's on your transcript,
0: yeah. When you signed up for a class, how hard is that? Oh wow, you signed up for a hard class. Yay. What
1: did you do? Even if you think that professor's famous, your reader probably doesn't even have any idea who they are. There's all sorts of like mini campus celebrities. You know, where someone is a legendary mm-hmm. professor for that school, but no one else has ever heard of them. Yeah. And and even then, even if it is someone super amazing, who cares? You took a class from that person. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on. <clears throat> what should I say in my personal statement? <laughs> they keep saying this. Above all, follow the instructions <laughs> given by each school. Each school will have their own instructions, so avoid writing a generic statement for all schools. Hmm. I don't know about that. Some schools will ask about your academic and personal background, work experience, activities, etc., Schools often seek information on matters that relate to their desire to have diverse student bodies. Yeah, but that's a different essay. The development Mm -hmm. of an applicant's interest in law is a matter of concern to some schools, but not to others. I think you can just go ahead and leave that out, honestly. In contrast, some schools request a writing sample on any subject of the writer's choice as appropriate tailor your, tailor your statement for the school to which you're applying but avoid emphasizing this over your experiences, attributes and goals. It kind of sounds like they're talking themselves in circles there, Ben.
0: Yeah. I would say write a solid personal statement that shows you succeeding and do lo- doing lawyer like shit that doesn't mean case law or anything like that that just means working your ass off yeah stuff done (laughs) yeah
1: that's what lawyer shit is more than anything else (laughs) working really hard and winning that's what lawyers do so you can show yourself like absolutely you started a softball league with your neighborhood but i mean it needs to be a significant amount of work and You know, you need to have kicked ass on that thing.
0: Yeah. You showing yourself as a leader, getting things done. You don't have to be a leader. You could be a lone wolf who's getting shit done. But the point is, is that you're working hard and that shows work ethic, that shows skills. And those are the kinds of things that they're excited about because that means you're going to come to law school. You're going to succeed in a competitive environment and then you're going to leave and succeed as a lawyer. And that's what they want. So I would do that, and then yes, you do want to read the instructions that each school gives for their personal statement, and just make sure that your statement does answer whatever question or prompt that they give you. For 95% of the schools, that kick-ass statement is going to do it. Maybe for one of them, you need to add a sentence or two to link in what you're saying to Their particular questions so they can see how you're answering that. But generally, no.
1: Yeah, most people are not writing a new personal statement for every school. I mean, that's just impossible. If you're applying to 15 schools, there's no way you're going to write 15 different personal statements. I think you should choose a topic that will fit most of these. (laughs) Obviously, you're going to want to talk about you kicking ass. Like, that's your choice. I chose to write about that. That's fine. That's going (laughs) to, if they say any topic, Yeah, that was my topic. Yep. Me kicking ass at things. Okay, next one. Should I use the personal statement to address weaknesses in my application? Weaknesses such as a string of low grades or a low LSAT score should be addressed somewhere in your application. If clarifying weaknesses flows with your statement, you may use your statement to address them. On the other hand, you may wish to use an addendum in either case, be brief and honest while offering a sympathetic explanation to assure the admissions committee that a similar weakness is unlikely to occur again.
0: What do you think? Mm. Well, so I would say that it's very rare for some weakness to be addressed explicitly in your personal statement, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it being addressed implicitly, right? Like, if you have low grades and you write a personal statement about you succeeding at something that's intellectually challenging, whether that's at school or at work or elsewhere, um, then that might help implicitly counter their concerns about your ability to perform academically. But to address that explicitly would be weird and actually weaken, I think your claims like, Oh, I'm good academically. And here's why (laughs) just, just show yourself kicking ass in an academic setting or an academic or intellectually challenging thing. And the underlying implication is, oh, my low grades don't mean I can't do well with intellectually rigorous stuff.
1: Yeah, I would never do it on the personal statement. I'm always trying to get people to move that stuff to addendums. I think the diversity stuff too, you can do that in a diversity statement. I think the explaining bad shit, keep it off your personal statement. Write about positives on your personal statement. Write about winning things on your personal statement. I mean, those addendums where you're you're explaining bad grades, those only go so far anyway. You know, like, they know what your LSAT is. They know what your GPA is. Yeah. And so, if they're reading your personal statement, they're looking for, like, winning. Yeah. They can look at the addendum if they want to see, you know, hey, what's going on with these grades or whatever.
0: Yeah. They do say here: be brief and honest, while offering a sympathetic explanation. So I like the brief. I like the honest. I'm concerned about sympathetic explanation because I'm thinking that that's going to invite some people to start right rationalizing or explaining. Instead, we tend to just stick to facts. Right? I got 2.7 my sophomore year, uh, but since then I've had a I've maintained a 3.5. Just leave it at that. Don't. Oh, because I, you know I drank too much myself. It's like, uh, just stop. Just don't provide rationale. Just show the problem has been fixed. You don't need to know why.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right. next one says, does writing style count? Absolutely. Law schools use the personal statement to learn about your ability to write concisely, precisely and well. The personal statement gives you an opportunity to showcase your abilities. So the best statements not only follow the school's instructions but are tied together by a theme and a logical progression of ideas, making good use of transitions. They also employ perfect grammar and are written in a direct, simple style that avoids pretentious language. The best statements are not laundry lists of accomplishments and activities, but essays that describe a unique episode or two from your experience that demonstrate both your motivation for pursuing legal education along with positive, interesting aspects of your personality.
0: 100%.
1: We highly suggest that you have your statement reviewed by your letter of recommendation writers and other friends, family members, or peers who know your story well and possess excellent writing skills.
0: Okay, I like the fact that they're encouraging you to have other people review it. I don't like the fact that they're suggesting you need to have people who know your story well. That actually clouds their judgment of your statement. I agree. If you have a colleague at work who knows nothing about this experience and they're willing to read your personal statement, they're much more likely to give you objective feedback about how that experience sounds the less
1: they know you. I think you Yeah, and there's a I think there's a problem with having your letter of recommendation writers read your essay too. Because if they read it before they write their letter, they might just start writing in their letter exactly all the stuff that's in your personal statement, and then it's kind of like wasting the reader's time. Hmm. They it can I can sound too monotone. It can like sound too fake. I think.
0: Well, one thing I was thinking is a good personal statement, like the ones that you know we see our clients walk away with. We read those and we. I feel so much different about the individual after reading that statement. Like, holy cow, this is what you did. <laughs> this sounds impressive. I, I could see that making people who write letters of recommendation even more confident about writing that letter and having that come through yeah, in their excitement. That's an
1: interesting point. Um, how, how about this we suggest you have your statement reviewed by your friends, family member, or peers who possess excellent writing skills. How would you know? Yeah, the truth is, your friends, family member, and peers do not possess excellent writing skills. <laughs> I mean, most most of them don't. Yeah. I'm sorry, but they just yeah. don't. And, yeah. like, I just, we countless times that we get the essay where it's like, yep, I, I had 10 people read this. And it's just like, oh, and they ten people didn't catch that right there? Mm-hmm. Or that, or that, or that, or that other thing. I think people need to get like you need to get people who are gonna rip the shit out of it. <laughs> like who mm-hmm. are gonna like don't even don't even bother letting people read it who are just gonna rubber stamp it. Like that's gonna feel good for your ego, but it's not gonna do shit for the quality of your statement. Yeah. You need somebody like you should like hold it out to them. And then at, when they reach for it, you pull it away and say, uh, you have to promise me that you're going to tear this apart.
0: Yeah. Give them permission. Cause they're, they're, they're going to be afraid. They're like, eh, I don't really like how that second paragraph sounds, but I mean, it's good enough. I could see it and I don't want to offend right. my son or right. my nephew or my work colleague.
1: Yeah. But it's like, really, anything that bumps the reader at all, they should flag that for you. Yeah, Now they
0: may not, not be right about their solution, but you should be aware that it struck them the wrong way. Yeah, do
1: it in Google Docs, and they can just put in a comment that just says, hey, this sounds kind of funny.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, we do that all the time, right? It's like, I don't know necessarily the exact perfect fix right now in the moment, and so I'll just write, hey, this sounds clunky. Mm-hmm. you know just I don't know I'll, I can fix it later but like right now I just want to tell you that this doesn't sound right yeah um, okay last one how long should the statement be some schools will explicitly state their word or page limit adhere to their wishes you will not impress admissions committees with an overly long statement and your inability to follow directions <laughs> if no word count or page limit is stated aim to write a statement that's about two pages long double spaced yeah that's just the standard um, we'll have links to uh the blog post from Stanford and the uh, advice from Berkeley. We'll have uh, links to both of those in the show notes, so thinkingoutset dot com yeah um, moving on
0: yeah, all right, Ooh, okay, well, on personally, this is just more on personal statements. Uh, I guess I'll read this. Hey, Ben and Nathan. I want to start by saying that I've heard, listened to many podcasts and videos about the LSAT and yours is, are by far the best. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I'm a Spanish former law student, law in Spain is an undergrad, and I want to go to the U.S. to pursue a JD and become a lawyer there. It all started when I finished my law degree in Spain, University of Barcelona, back in June of 2018. I was 21, and I was an average student at my university. I'd been doing an internship at an international corporate law firm for a year, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay or try to pursue another legal path. Before finishing my last year, I got offered a scholarship to do an LLM at Penn State University. At PSU, I loved the courses, the people, and the way the legal system worked in the U.S. I would read and study for every class only because I thought it was awesome. I ended up with a 3.98 GPA and a top score in both torts and contracts. Mm. Okay. My time at PSU made me want to pursue a JD and work in big law. I'm taking the October LSAT in Spain. My median right now is a 168, maximum being 175 a couple of times. But on a bad day, I can get to a 165, 164. Very normal, by the way. Do you think I should write about this? In my personal statement, write about what your desire to go to law school. I could also write about my year-long internship or a job as a section head I had at a summer camp in Canada during the summers. Please keep posting. I don't know. Please keep posting such great content. All right. Um, What do we usually tell people to do when they first come to us and want to know what to write about
1: write a bunch of well you know why you like what do you think you have to offer law school yeah why law school what 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 is the connection not necessarily that this needs to be in your statement but just think about why you want to go to law school which sounds like this person definitely has the fact that you've already done an llm and kicked ass in the united states i mean that almost speaks for itself
0: it does yeah yeah
1: and then just write a bunch of you know, I statements. That's something we have people do a lot, or you just like write I did this, I did that, I did this other thing, I did this other thing. And lots of those sentences or if not sentences, those themes, you know, might end up making it into the actual statement. Hmm. I d I don't know what he, I don't know what the question is really. Because write, definitely I, not I think he's write about your that. LSAT.
0: No, I think he, when he says this, and by the way, we've talked about this on the show before, this, you need to have a noun right after this in almost every case, referring back to what particular thing you were talking about. So if you had said, do you think I should write about this LLM experience, then we'd know what you're talking about. I think that is what he's
1: referring to. Um, I think that could be fine.
0: I, uh, oh, yes. It would I be mean, unusual. Yes and no. I would, like it, I would like him to... He says, I love the courses. I'd like to know what he did that shows that. Yeah. Besides getting uh, a 3.98,
1: I mean... Yeah.
0: Did he work on a project and that could really show his, his enjoyment?
1: I think you could definitely write about stuff you did during your LLM. I think LLMs are like one year or maybe two, but yeah. it's, you know, it, it's, it's the most recent thing he's done
0: Mm-hmm. It's recent. So, this is unusual because in most cases, right, you're, when you talk about schooling, you're talking about something that has happened a while ago. You were younger, but in LLM, he's going to be older, a little bit older. Barely.
1: He was 21 when he graduated his undergrad in law in Spain True, in 2018. True, but it's recent, right? And so, he's 22 now with an LLM from uh, an American school. I, I, I do think I might write a personal statement about that. Because it'll make it clear that you, you know, are cut out for succeeding in U.S. law. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't go to, like, I mean, really, summer camp?
0: My year-long internship. I'd like to hear about uh, I'm that, curious. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do? Is that legal-related, presumably? Um. Yeah. I, I think I would... Given... Given how closely an LLM or potentially this legal, if it's a legal internship, relates to law school, I would focus on that more than a section head at a summer camp.
1: Okay, here's another one. Um, Hey guys, fairly new listener here and just starting my own LSAT journey. I also just started my first year as a junior transfer at UC Irvine. I have my eye on UC Irvine Law. Last week was week zero on campus, and it consisted of exploring different clubs, organizations, and programs available to us. Pre-law society, ethics bowl team, UCDC, study abroad opportunities, some of the things I've got my eye on. A little bit about me, I'm 31, a single mom, and tethered to Irvine. I went back to school and transferred to UCI from a local community college with a 3.87 as a philosophy major. I have 14 years of professional experience in dentistry under my belt as well. I took a cold practice test and scored a 163. I'm pretty stoked and will be grinding the next year to bring myself up to a 171 or higher, shooting for July of 2020. My question about the personal statements is, what should I focus on now that I should be writing about next year in my personal statement when I'm applying to law school? I have so many different angles. My experience as a manager of a dental practice as an integral part of propelling our practice to immense growth. I mean, that sounds good. Yeah, My personal journey good. in the family law system here in California—that sounds Probably bad. Not. We don't, we don't <laughs> want to hear about your divorce. Like, that's just not going to be. <laughs> it's just, it's going to be too sad, and it's not. Any, any, we, I mean, have we ever said yes to someone writing about their own personal experiences with the law? I don't
0: think so. I
1: don't think it's ever worked. Nope. Um, focus on winning. If you sounds like you kicked ass at this dental practice, which is real, real big business. And you had immense growth. Um, boy, I, that's I think that's all you need to talk about. Yeah. She goes on, or should I be focusing on something now? Like landing an internship in Nancy Pelosi's office for the summer? through the UCDC program, becoming an officer in my pre-law society I now belong to, or becoming a stand-up member of the Ethics Bowl team. No. Uh,
0: I don't like any of those. All that shit will make you sound 20
1: years old. You don't want to sound 20 years old. You're 31. You have all this professional experience. Obviously write about your professional experience. That's an easy one. Uh, Thanks for the laughs, cringes, and time and energy it takes to put out the content you do best. And thanks, Ann.
0: yeah, next one on diversity statements. Hey y'all, I'm wondering whether or not I should write my personal statement, diversity statement, or neither about a particular event that happened when I was a teenager, already nervous.
1: Yeah. Already probably know, but go ahead.
0: Yep. When I was 13, two friends and I went to a sketchy apartment complex to buy marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want to write about this. The guys who were selling us the weed robbed us and shot one of my friends in the face. Oh, he was okay, just lost an eye. I wouldn't say that's okay, (laughs) but okay. (laughs) glad he didn't die. Um, I view this vent as a major turning point in my life. I'm worried that writing about this might bring up character questions to the extent that the negative will outweigh the positive. Yes,
1: it will. Don't write about that. It's
0: too risky. Option option info? (laughs) Um. I haven't been in legal trouble as an adult, and I'm a splitter applicant. I would like to go to Georgetown... Or Washington University School of Law? Wait, what is that? W U S T. Is it
1: Wash U St. Louis?
0: Ah, yeah, Wash St. Louis probably. If you guys want to read this on the show, I'd be flattered. Okay. Um, I would just skip it.
1: Write about anything else if besides not, that. That's definitely not your personal statement. I don't think it's a diversity, eh, diversity statement. Mm. How's that diversity?
0: Like, I guess you... But it's yeah. just... The problem is it took place so long ago. yeah. Like, I think everyone was trying to figure out where they want to go with their life as a teenager. I think that's part of growing up. Yeah. I'm not saying that you didn't have something unique happen to you, but the struggle to decide which direction to head is pretty common.
1: No one is going to read that and be like, oh, hot damn, this person's going to be an awesome candidate for our law school. right? Like you're just not, that's not putting your best foot forward. You, you and your friends made a bad decision and real bad shit happened. That's not a, that's crazy. (laughs) That's not a selling point. It's not, you know, if you did amazing shit since then, you can just write about the amazing shit you've done since then. But going back to that dramatic, you know, just because this is the most dramatic moment of your life does not mean that that's what you should write about. In fact, it probably means that's what you should not write about. Yeah. All right. Uh diversity statement question number 2 from anonymous. Should I write my diversity statement on how I left my childhood religion in high school? The religion shaped how I see the world and it took a while to grow out of. So I think it's a good contender for a diversity statement, but I'm not sure.
0: Okay. So gut reaction to that um one it happened when you were younger, you were in high school. So that's a check against that. Um, I think that you're also walking on like risky ground here because you could also could come away from this looking just as dogmatic as the group of people you walked away from. Like if if you have negative feelings about them, um, that could come across as naive and immature too. So I don't know. It could work, but uh, my gut says no.
1: It could work. I just think, yeah, again, you need to spin it into what good you've done with it since then, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, it could definitely make you different. The fa- You know, the fact that you were in this whatever religion, especially if it was, like, something real weird, and then you kind of, like, are the only one who made it out sort of a thing, I, I can see that being a good story, um,
0: yeah, it's going to depend on the religion and what you Dep- did to
1: leave. Depends and how you view it now and, and what you've done since then. You know, <laughs> you, you could do it. I, I don't. Yeah, probably not personal statement because it, it was a childhood religion.
0: Sure. Yeah, I would not do it for personal. But he is asking about diversity, or she.
1: Well, want to real um, quick do this last letters of rec question? We're not going to be able to yeah, do, that, do the it. LR question. Um, sure. Go no ahead. Worries.
0: Hello, Thinking Outside Team. Possible question for the podcast: Are you? wait what are you an asshole if you request letters of recommendation but then don't actually apply to law school Uh, maybe i don't (laughs) like if you intended to no people change their minds the really okay so context i would like my LORs from an from mba professors i graduated in december of last year 2018 but will not be applying if i apply until next year Okay, 2020. My concern is that by the time I make the decision to apply, too much time will have passed since I was a student. I completed an executive MBA program that consisted of online classes combined with two-week in-person residencies, blah, blah, blah. I am not. I don't know how much of this we should read, but the point is, is if you ask for these letters of rec, they write them, and then you end up not applying to law school. One, I don't think they're going to know, and that's it. I don't think they're going to know, so... You just say, oh, you know, I ended up going another direction. I don't think they're going to care.
1: If you were asking me to write you a letter of recommendation and you didn't apply, <laughs> yeah, if we were still buddies or whatever, I, I guess I would just be like, well, in good faith, you thought you were applying, you asked me to write the letter, so I wrote it. Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think, but, and, and especially these are professors. I mean, they get this all the it's time. a big part of what professors do. Like they get paid a lot of money and you paid a lot of money to do your MBA probably. And it's part of the service. It's part of what you pay for when you buy yourself um, a degree.
0: <laughs> this is kind of an interesting comment. He says, work references are not an option. I don't want them to know. And those I would be comfortable disclosing my law school plans would not make good references.
1: What does that mean? <laughs> I hope he <laughs> means it's just like his buddies, you know, his colleagues yeah. who, who, can't, who aren't appropriate to write a letter. I hope it's not his boss and he's, like, done a shitty job at his job. Yeah. Um, nah. go ahead. Get, get the letters from your professors. Get them in the bank. They won't know. I mean, they're not even going to know if you don't apply. Maybe you applied and just didn't get in. Hmm. Or maybe whatever. Are you still going to be, like, really in touch with these MBA professors? Probably not. No, I don't know. It's part of their job. I, I get them in the bank just in case. Yeah.
0: Okay. So he says his tentative plan. This is now he's talking about the LSAT. Maybe we can help with that. I'm taking the October LSAT. I was planning on taking September, but thanks to tropical storm Imelda. Mine was canceled, and I can't do I can't do the reschedule. Okay, then vacation, holidays, et cetera, And in January, I'll reevaluate. Stop to pursue. Stop pursuit of law school, or get intimate with the demon and work towards improving my LSAT score and researching schools. Okay, so your plan is to take it and then take a break. Okay, and then decide if you want to go forward. Oh, okay. If I pick the latter path, I would request LORs at that point. <laughs> You're overthinking this whole letters of rec thing. Just ask for it.
1: Yeah, ask now. I also don't really love your LSAT plan of taking the October test. And then, really, vacation, holidays, etc.? Like, you don't think you can study at all for the months of November and December?
0: Yeah, especially with the demon. You can study anywhere at any time.
1: And then, why would you... Then, taking this long break, and then... Because he said earlier, yeah, he's trying to apply in fourth quarter 2020... Yeah, which means ideally like September 1st of 2020, which means you want your LSAT done next summer, which means if you're already studying for the LSAT, why not just get it over with? I don't know. Yeah. Get these letters in, kick ass on the October test. If not, kick ass in January or one of the spring tests and then be done with it. But you can request the letters now. There's no reason to wait. Yep. Wrap it up.
0: Cool. Thanks all y'all for listening. Um you can join us on the Thinking ElsaT podcast group on Facebook. You can also find us at Thinking ElsaT on Instagram and Twitter. You can visit strategyprep.com for classes with me in Washington D.C. or visit foxlsat.com for classes in San Francisco in Los, and Los Angeles with Nathan. Uh our joint project is lsatdemon.com. You can study anywhere on your phone a uh, laptop or whatnot and get ready for the digital test and find all our explanations there. Um and if you want to buy an LSAT Demon shirt, go to Elsa thinking dot Yeah. Anyways, um that was episode two fourteen of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing ya. Don't pay for law school.